Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. This is episode number 322. And Mike, can you believe we have been doing this for eight weeks now? This, uh, what do you want to call it? Quarantine or quarantine quarantine pod, lockdown pod, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. (laughs) Get creative with it. I like it. That's it. So we are hoping to be back in HQ at this point, things are starting to ease up. Um, and you're starting to see some restrictions eased. So we're really hoping that we'll be back in HQ doing the pod in the normal setting, hopefully anywhere from one to three weeks from now, we're going to have to see we're doing, we're, we're doing the right thing. We want to, to get back in there when it's safe to do so. Uh, you and I, Mike, we've been popping in and out of HQ a little bit, uh, just the two of us without the rest of the guys. Um, but we're hoping to get everybody back in there soon. Ronnie doing his show and, and Jeremy and, uh, everybody back in so we can start bringing you guys some of that content. Uh, in fact, speaking of which we've got a bunch of big giveaways lined up. I'm going to talk about those in a second, but this week, what we want to talk about on the show is the fact that we got to get back out there. We were able to play golf again. We were at Hollowbrook Golf Club, which is in Westchester. The place was in great shape. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, what it feels like to be back playing after such a long break for so many of us, uh, us included, and many of you listening out there. It is the first time you've played golf in, in a long time. I think this might have been one of the longest breaks we've ever had, Mike. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be the longest break in a while. You know, and this, and it's unfortunate we, we had like no snow this winter either. I know. So like we were getting excited as golfers, like coming out of February, it was like warm days in February. We're ready to rock beginning of March. And then all of a sudden we got hit. Yeah, so. we did. And and look, we, we looked back at it and we couldn't believe that our last full 18 holes that we played was at Baltusrol. Uh, and that was, I believe that was like October 23rd, I think it was, of last year. Right. Now, we That's played nice. nine holes here and there at uh, when we were in Florida in January, but That's it was right. a little bit different. We did like that mix and match match play with um, with Zach Radford and, and Andrew Jensen, and we didn't really play 18 holes. So just getting back out there just felt good. But like I said, it was different. It was different. And anybody who else who's, who's played over the last week or two, no matter where you've played, knows that, that there's these, you know, the strict social distancing rules are in place. Uh, and it's an, it's just an interesting thing. But it, like I said, there was these moments where it felt normal again. And I haven't felt that normalcy in so long, in so many weeks mm-hmm. that it was just a relief. You know, we all walk around like with this kind of this, this stress and this burden on us right now of just being so out of our rhythm and being in our houses. And sure, you know, we're, we're super thankful that we're not in worse situations. There are people who are in terrible situations with this, uh, very sick and other types of things. So there's a huge amount of gratitude. Um, but there's also, there is that stress that we're all living with. So being out there on the course and feeling a little bit of normalcy felt good. Um, but anyway, switching gears to some other positive notes, we've got some serious giveaways coming up here, Mike. I'm looking yeah, at this, we do. this rundown here. How do you? How about that? 
dude, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Really impressive. And I'm excited because I want to kind of quote, get back to golf with like a pop here. You know, I want to, uh, you know, give some stuff away. So let's just run through. Let's tease it a little bit. For sure. So first we're going to be in HQ later today. Um, Opti shot, as you guys may have heard, uh, we're going to be putting in a SIM in the new HQ. We're going to be working with the Opti shot team on that. That has been delayed a bit because of everything going on, but we're going to do a temporary sim. They've got this thing. It's so cool. I don't know if you've seen this. I Actually, I, I know you've seen this because we've been so mm-hmm. amped about it, sending pictures back and forth, but they've got this system called golf in a box. And so it's basically everything you need to have it's a home exactly simulator, that. right? It just <laughs> yeah. like It's right there. So they sent us one as a holdover until our big sim comes in. So we're going to go into HQ, set this thing up. We're going to do a video. We're going to check it out. But the great news is we're actually going to give three away and they are each valued at 800 bucks. That's so ridiculous. yeah, we're going to, we're going to start the giveaways back up with a big bang. So we're going to give three of these away. We're going to show you guys how we set them up. And the cool component, which we really like about the, the OptiShot system is that there are ways that you can kind of virtually play against each other. So our ultimate goal with this simulator is being able to have a situation where we can play these virtual tournaments against other people who have their own simulators at home and which is why we're going to kick it off by by giving three away thanks to opti shot so that's going to be fun the other thing is we're working with foot joy to do a couple more of those head to toe outfits we did those at the kickoff of last year we want to do a whole back to golf we want to get everybody excited again so we're working on that there's some uh, possible Voki wedge giveaway which hasn't been finalized yet but stay tuned and since we haven't been there in hq you guys know we often do the the mail bag, like in the mail time, things have been piling up. So when we get in there, we've got some unboxing to do. And I think, mm-hmm. of course, we're going to be giving that away. So be sure you guys subscribe to the Golficity YouTube channel. We post a lot of the videos and information there. You're not going to miss it. Um, as well as, of course, subscribing to the podcast. And and we're going to try to keep you guys updated as much as we can on the social channels. You just don't want to miss it because I've, I've had it a lot of times where after a, a giveaway is closed, we get those messages. Hey, is this still open? Can I still get in? And I'm like, sorry, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we we want to make sure you guys don't miss it. Hit that that bell. Make sure that you uh, get those notifications because I know even on YouTube now, even if you're subscribed, you don't always see all the videos pop up in your feed. So the best thing you do, hit the bell. Make sure you guys are alerted when new videos come out because whenever we do a new giveaway, we're going to announce it there. So all right. Lots of giveaways coming. Um, I want to dive into this week's Twitter tap-in, which we had a little bit of fun with. But first, of course, we want to thank our sponsor, Titleist. If you're looking for new irons and you're looking for that max performance, you have to check out these T-Series irons, whether it's the tour level shaping and feel of the T100, that powerful playable distance of the T200, or that maximum speed and forgiveness of the T300. The Titleist T-Series truly offers players of all skill levels irons to take their game to the next level. Um, you and I, Mike, we got our fitting. Uh, you ended up in the T200s all the way through the bag. I went with the T300s for my four and five iron for a little more forgiveness in those harder to hit clubs. And then T200s for the rest of the bag. And a lot of you, and I mean a lot of you have been messaging us and saying, you know, how are you liking them? And our first round with them was that round at Baltusrol. We played again yesterday, we played a little bit in Florida, and I love them. They are they are 
putting that forgiveness that I needed in certain shots. And I just got that confidence when I stand over the ball. So the T series, it's packed, it's power packed lineup, so much performance in all of them, no matter whether you go the T 100s, T 200s, T 300s, or a mix of the bag, like I did, you know, you're going to get that performance and the forgiveness. Uh, it's that innovation that goes in for one reason to help Titleist players put lower numbers on the card. So visit Titleist.com to learn more about the T series irons. Um, they're pretty too. They are pretty. They are pretty gloves. That always helps. That always helps giving you a little more confidence when you you like the look of the glove. That's for sure. All right. So on to our Twitter tap in segment. If you guys aren't already following us on Twitter, make sure you do so at Golficity. Look for the Twitter tap in every single Monday. We're going to put a tweet out there. We want to get your uh, your two cents on some of these these questions that we have. We're talking equipment. We're talking PGA Tour. Uh, we're talking instruction. And then we're going to talk about some of our favorite responses here on the podcast. So this week's Twitter tap in, the question that we asked was what lesser known golf equipment or apparel brand do you think deserves more recognition? Uh, and the reason I like this question, Mike, is because oftentimes, you know, some of the big names get the most, you know, attention. Obviously, right. they've got the the mm -hmm. biggest uh, box to stand on, so to speak. But you and I haven't gone to a lot of the um, the, the PGA shows and a lot of these local shows and things like that. We get to see how many, really, how many brands there are. And there's a lot of small brands that that really deserve more recognition. There's a lot of, you know, single owner or family owned brands out there that really put a lot of passion in and do a great job. So I want to highlight a few of them here. Actually, we wanted to give you guys a chance to highlight them by by responding here to our um to our Twitter tap in segment. And um a couple of them stand out. We had uh, first, you know, our guy Eric Benzenberg. Um, he he threw Stitch Golf uh, in there, which I, we're going to be testing out some of their accessories really soon. Uh, head covers, things like that. Top, top, top notch, top quality. I, I've been impressed with all, everything I've seen from them so far, Mike. Yeah, for sure. Really, really cool modern stuff. Um, and I know Ben's likes the. Uh, he's a big fan of Ben Hogan golf equipment. Yes. You know he writes a lot about them for the site. And, uh, so he gave them a shout there. And speaking of guys that, you know, on board with golficity, Eddie weighs in. I love this. Danny Woodhead thoughts on this. And Danny Woodhead, former running back for the new England Patriots says without a doubt, sub 70, you know, that's near and dear to Eddie's heart too having sub 70 clubs. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool to see. It is. And if you guys haven't checked it out yet, you got to check out uh, Eddie's review of sub 70 on the Golficity website or in the Golficity app. He actually went down there. He got to speak with uh, the team and find out what they do. And I like to see that. I mean, here is a, you know, on the scale of, of golf club manufacturers, I would consider them quite small, but you see a lot of love going into what they do and, and a lot of, still a lot of technology. They've got a fitting process. Um, and they're super active with the community. I see them. They even chimed in here, uh, to some of the people who had tagged them. There's a few people here. Uh, S Lynch golf mm -hmm. 23 said sub 70 as well. And, um, they responded there. So they've been super responsive. And I, I think they're, they're, they're a great, you know, brand, uh, you know, because like I said, years ago, it just didn't seem like the small guys could survive. It was just too hard. There was too much. And now they're finding this, these ways to kind of differentiate themselves. And I love seeing that. Um, and as you mentioned before, too, that Ben Hogan golf equipment, uh, Mario Price said the same thing. He said they're the most underrated 
They're most underappreciated in the industry. Check them out. You'll be really surprised. And didn't they, and, and I know you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought, wasn't it just a couple of years ago, uh, they were saved, I think, possibly from from bankruptcy or somebody brought them back. Uh, and since then, they have done some really excellent things, bringing back an, an, an older, more legacy mm-hmm. brand name. Uh, you know, you know, if it's got Ben Hogan's name on it, it's got to be, you got to treat yeah, it right, sure. right? You got to treat that brand right. right. So that Absolutely. was really a cool one to say. Um, anything else that what stood else? out for you there, Mike? Yeah, we've got a couple of apparel companies, R- Roback, which uh, the Pin High Boys, you know, they love their Roback clothes. That was Patrick Diamond, one of the hosts of the show, who chimed in there. Um, some I haven't heard of. I haven't heard of, uh, where was it? I just lost it. It was Sunderland and uh, Sunderland of Scotland. Charlie says quality. I guess it's an apparel company, maybe. I got to check that out. Yeah. Got to check it out. I'm trying to find the ones never heard of. I mean, you see one that I have heard of, Snell Golf. Uh, Betnardi. There you go, Frank. Betnardi. Yeah. I mean, I'm still playing that Betnardi putter. Um, again, like I said, super, like I wouldn't consider them very small at this point. They're making quite a big name for themselves, even on the PGA tour. I believe even our guy, uh, Molinari is, is still gaming a Betnardi putter. Um, but they do some great stuff, uh, super, super high end, high quality stuff. Um, and also I'm seeing Wilson come up quite a bit. I don't That's know if right. I would consider Wilson, you know, small or lesser known. It's, I, I, I guess if you compare him against the big guys, the big names, you know, like you know, Titleist and Callaway and TaylorMade, they would be quote unquote lesser known. But Wilson's been around for quite some time. Big presence at the PGA show. Um, but again, that's another thing I've heard those rumblings where they've just been, you know, doing great things from with the ball and with the club. So um at Philly golfers mentioned Wilson golf. A couple of you had, had shouted them out. So for sure, uh, that's another one. Um, yeah, I see a couple for that rowback. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, it, look, it's great. And like I said, it's, it's just something to be aware of. And we wanted to bring everyone's attention to it. If nothing else, that there are a lot of great small brands out there that are doing some, some new and different things. And, and I think the best way to stay on top of it is social media. Um, Again, it's a tool, another type of tool that only a couple of years ago, these brands would not have had access to. And in order to get attention from the masses, they would have had to add a huge marketing budget and things like that. So a lot of these guys are able to bring their product to golfers without having to compete on the massive scale of of the big guys. Uh, And I think it's, look, at the end of the day, no matter what, no matter what brand you're quote unquote allegiances to, you have to know that when you have different voices and more people involved in making equipment, it raises the bar for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. we've always said that competition is good, you know, for, for the, for the end user, for the consumer. So seeing that out there. And I think even when these, these smaller companies, quote unquote, smaller companies make these rumblings and, and get some attention and things like that. It, it even drives the big guys to stay on their game too. Yeah, so it's, sure. just, it's a really good thing to see, but I appreciate everybody who shouted them out in the uh, Twitter tap in this week and stay tuned for next week. We'll have another Twitter tap in for you guys. Make sure you catch that on, uh, make sure you catch that on Twitter. All right, let's do a, a word from our other sponsors, Mike. And then I want to talk about our experience. First time really being back on the golf course in many, many months. Yeah, man. Can't wait to dive back into that round. But first, guys, listen up. We got big stuff coming out of ShotScope. 
All right. So in case you're new to the podcast, ShotScope has been a partner of ours now, Frank, I think about like two years. I'm going back to 2018, end of 2018. So maybe a year and a half. Uh, They've had an incredibly talented team of avid golfers. uh, And let me tell you, they got a pretty awesome product. But let me just tell you a little more. This is the exciting part. First, who are they? They make a GPS watch. They have stat tracking capability. And it's awesome. You've seen us wear the V2. We even wore it this past weekend. But guys, the V3 is coming. That's right. I said it. The V3 is coming real soon. And so is the G3, which is GPS only for those of you who don't want to track the stats. Aesthetically, this thing is amazing. It's very Apple Watch-esque, in my opinion. Um, the G3 is going to launch at $159.99. This is the launch offer, by the way. $159.99. And then the V3 with stat track is only $20 more, $179.99. So I'm sure, Frank, those, those are going to change after the launch offer expires. So that's why I wanted to shed some light. It's coming soon. It's not available yet. Stay tuned to the show because we're going to keep giving you guys updates along the way. I just want to create a little bit of hype here. New products always got to create good hype. So stay tuned. All right. Yeah. And I tell you what, like that price, we have gotten a little bit of a peek at it. Um, We don't Mm -hmm. have them yet. Uh, I'm looking very forward myself to the V3 so we can really dive in and test it. But the small peek that I've gotten and the the improvements there, I mean, uh, as far as aesthetically and size and things like that, just shocked me when they came out with that price. Absolutely. 179 for this thing? Come on. 100%. And color, color display, there's going to be different color bands you could swap out. See, I don't want to get into the details. No. But, but you, I'm just letting you know. Stay tuned. It, this thing's going to be yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's going to be awesome. It's going to blow your mind. So stay tuned for that. And lastly, just want to thank FootJoy. Big shout out to FootJoy. Um, Frank, did you see what FootJoy is doing with their bracket style competition for like the best shoe? Yeah, of all that's time? that's been fun. That's been fun on Instagram. It's been cool, yeah. you know. And now they got the pros involved. They got JT giving updates. He's like previewing like the region, the Midwest region, or whatever. So pretty cool. Love the creativity. But speaking of shoes, we got out there. We're going to talk about it in a minute. And it was the first time I wore these new Tour X out on the course, not on a mat. And damn, did I play well. And I owe a lot of it to the support and the feet. I mean, it wasn't a dry course, right? It rained the night before. Right. Um, the launch pods that I've been talking about for the past few weeks, it actually helped, man. I had a few bombs Saturday. I won't be shy to say it. Uh, I was nervous for walking up and down a hilly course with fresh shoes uh, right out of the gate because I was just nervous about what my feet were going to feel like the next day. You know, they weren't broken in yet, but nothing happened at all. My feet weren't sore, no blisters, nothing. And those foam collars I was talking about as well, you know, walking up those inclines, they've kept from that like Achilles heel, like digging. There was none of that. None of that. Genius stuff at a team, FootJoy. Love them. Can't wait to wear them again. Check out FootJoy.com and grab a pair. I'll tell you what, I think I'm such a prima donna because I wanted so badly to wear my Tor X. They're right behind me. But because exactly as you mentioned, it had rained for like five days before. And I'm like, I'm just not ready to get them dirty yet. I don't want to get them, Scott. They're too pretty. I'm not ready to get them dirty yet. I'm going to save them for a drier day. But but yeah, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about the round. First of all, let's dive in. Huge shout out to Hollowbrook uh, Golf Club for they reached out to us and uh, Eugene over there, who's the manager, he actually sent me an email. Uh, and actually, it's kind of a blast from the past. Uh, I first met Eugene when he was managing what was then Orange County Country Club, which is now West Hills, which is where my father has been a member for many, many years. I learned a lot of the game there. And dating back, I, I think it was maybe 15 years ago, he was the manager there. And, I, you know, Knew him a little bit through my father, but hadn't spoken in quite some time. And and I get this email, and I think the title of the email was like, Remember Me? 
or something like yes, that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I open it up and he's like, well, I'm managing Hollowbrook over here. You, you know, we're doing some great things. It's not far from you right over in Westchester. He goes, I really want to have you and Mike come over and check it out. And, and I said, well, the timing is perfect because, you know, n- the New York golf courses had just started to open. You and I are dying, obviously, yeah, to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's a, a, a spot. You know, they've got the social distancing rules in effect, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but they're like, we're open and we're in great shape. You know, greens are open, everything. So come on down. So we head down there. And um, even, you know, Kevin Sprecker, I know he messaged, he's played it. He likes that course. Um, he played it just the other day as well, right after us. But as you said, Mike, super hilly course. If if we play again, I think I want the cart because, you know, yeah. there's some walks from halls to halls. I don't think it was a course that was designed to be walked, but, but you know, again, it kept good. It felt good to be out there. We could only get nine holes in, but just walking and moving again. Uh, I, I'll tell you though, my legs were a little bit tired the next day because I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm in lockdown, man. The furthest I walk yeah. is like from my, like my, my home office to like my fridge and then back. Right. right. So, so now it's just like, Whoa, wait a minute. And, and on top of that, Got the bag and all of the camera gear. The camera equipment. So a lot right. of you guys say, like when you, we, you ask us about how we shoot some of our videos, we say like, we do, we shot the whole Scotland series walking. We can do it. No doubt. We were doing 36 a day. Like we'll do whatever we had to do. But if we can get a cart, we do prefer it because we load up all the camera gear. Here we didn't get to do that. So we've got the drone clipped to the bag, got all the camera tripods, everything stuffed in the bags. So it, it was like conditioning. I felt like Rocky out there and, a little bit. And you will see it, and the video is live by the time this podcast drops. Uh, you will see it that when we're talking into the the lens, we're winded. A little bit winded. <laughs> you know, you're gonna, we're going to get called out like, are you guys in shape at all? Like, right. what's going on? But you could tell. We were walking with those bags. We were walking up and down hills, like you said. And it was the first time we did that in a long time. Yeah. And we always say when we video our rounds, I would add about an extra – two, 3000 steps just for the, instead of, we don't always just walk to the ball. It'll be like, okay, that, that hill over there looks like a great spot for a camera. Walk over there, set up the camera, then walk over to your ball, hit, putt, whatever, then go get the camera. So there's a little bit of extra that goes into it. But anyway, I digress. We get out there and legitimately, this is the first time we've played real golf in a, in a long time. Um, and any other time, in the past. I can't remember a break this long because in the winter we would hit the simulator. Well, the sim is not installed yet in HQ and all of the, our normal simulator spots like the players club in Paramus and these other places where we like to go are all unfortunately shut down because Mm -hmm. they're not, they're quote non-essential and they're not allowed to be open right now. So aside from taking a few swings in the backyard of the garage, nothing's going on. You know, we're not, we're not able to really play, you know, and, and sure we talked. And about are you even po- doing that? Are you even taking swings? I've been a little okay. just because it's not. also part of my rehab, you know, routine. So don't forget yeah. in the mixed is the whole thing I went through and I've been updating you guys on with the, uh, the herniated disc in my neck. I had started physical therapy and unfortunately that became abruptly cut off too, because the physical therapist location had to close down because of uh, the COVID, whatever. But part of that was he's like, I want you to start testing it and start swinging like a seven iron because I felt like driver was too much right now, but just start swinging. So I'm swinging a little bit in my garage. Long story short, this is different. This is over a different world. You're actually actually out there 
hitting a real golf ball, putting on real greens, the whole nine yards. So Hollowbrook, like a lot of golf courses around here, they're doing the the responsible thing. Uh, and by the way, guys, I want you guys out there to weigh in. So if you're if you're watching this on YouTube or in the Golficity app, leave a comment below. If you've played golf, I know a lot of you said where you are where you are, the UK and some other areas are still completely shut down. But if you've played golf, let us know what your first experience back on the course was. You know, what was it? Was it difficult? Were there a lot of rules in place? Whatever it was, let us know. We're going to talk about our experience, but I want to hear yours as well. Or you can let us know in the Facebook group. Um, but before we go to, we get our tea time, right? And then we get another email and the email is just all the rules because all of these courses, the facilities are closed right now. You can't go into the pro shop. So everything has to be done in advance. You Usually you pay for your round in advance and, and everything like that. So where they would normally convey the rules, they can't do that. They've got to find some other way to do it. There was a starter out there uh, and the starter is doing the right thing. He's in a face mask and gloves. Uh, but we get this email and the email says, um, you can't arrive to the golf course any more than 15 minutes before your tee time. When you arrive, stay in your car until it is uh, you're on deck, essentially. Once you're on deck, you can approach the first tee box, but you have to wait for the guys to tee off and completely clear before you're allowed to step up to the tee box. So they're spacing them out. Um, a little bit, you know, between tea times. And then once you're out there, no rakes, which was interesting too. I even more so I want to stay away from bunkers because it's like you don't know what type of shape you're gonna you're gonna find a bunker right. in because there's no rakes. Uh no touching the pins in this particular course. I know some guys have it where they elevate it all the way up so it never actually drops into a cup. These guys had it just brought up a little bit so the the ball would fall in, but not so far as you had to reach in. You could just kind of reach down and grab the ball. So you know, a lot of types of rules like that in place. It was actually really cool. On the first tee, they had like a little spot there where you could grab your tee sheet or your, you know, your scorecard and everything. And they had each one of them individually in a little Ziploc bag with a pencil and everything like that. And Jeez, as Mike said, and you can, yeah, you can see all that in the video, but they did a really great job about it. And I, I felt, I felt safe. I don't know. How about yourself? I felt very safe. I mean, right back to the parking lot. Nobody was gathering in a group. I mean, like you said, starter had a mask on. He walked over to you when he noticed you arrived and, and just simply from a distance asked you your name, had his clipboard, said, great, right around your tea time, just head over there. He actually came back and said, you're, you're going to be right after that too. So, so like we knew exactly when it was our turn to go. We walked over there, kept our distance and then popped the tea in and went off. Yeah. And for everyone who's been saying like, golf is one of the safest things you can do. It did feel like it when we were out there. It felt very safe. Because I wasn't near anyone on a packed course. There was never a time we were near anybody. Right, exactly. I mean, that's probably the furthest I've been from anyone. Like going to the grocery store, it's a necessity right now, but I'll go in a mask and gloves and things like that. And you're right next to everybody. Mm -hmm. In here, I mean, there's no there's guys on the next hole, you know, 200 yards away. But that's it. I mean, the only people who got close was you and I, but you know, we've been doing our own separate lockdown quarantine to keep ourselves safe so that we can get together to do these things that we need to do. So mm. I, I, I thought it was a, um, a safe thing. I thought it was a smart, it was a smart thing the way they did it. And I was overall impressed. What I wasn't super impressed with was my play. <laughs> you played pretty mm. well though. You, you got Surprise. out the gate pretty well. 
Yeah, very surprised about it. And I, I kind of went in, we both went in with the idea of, you know, well, we made a joke. What's going to be rustier, the vlog game or the golf game, yeah. you know? <laughs> but uh, in regards to the golf game, you know, I remember saying it on the first tee. I said, I, I would probably hit something different than a five iron off the first tee, first time back, six months. Uh, but it did, things did start to click. And, you know, it took a while for some different parts of the game to click. Like I said in the video, like the third hole was when the short game stuff started to come back. And um, but overall, yeah, you're right. Getting off the tee. I shot a 42 over nine holes uh, on a par 35. I was seven over for my handicap. That's that's a win. Yeah, that was solid. And and you had a lot of opportunities. I think we, we went back and recounted in the video. I think there was maybe three or four birdie putts, four birdie putts that ended up being four pars. Yeah. So I was very happy with that. Solid. And and yeah. like with that, as I said in the video, is is this lowered expectations. I, I said going into it, I don't have super high expectations because how could you? Uh, things like that feel around the green just weren't there. Also coupled with the fact with, you know, these you had to respect these greens. They were yeah. fast. They for for so were. many days of rain, I thought for sure we would have slower greens. They were lightning quick, and we 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 were playing a little fun, you know, informal match, and we started to say, "There's no gimmies." You know what I mean? There's no giving it to the other guy. I mean, even like at two three footers, we were missing because they would slide down below the hole or something like that. It was it was challenging. I felt like my putting stroke felt good because that was the one area where I put a ton of work in over these last couple of months because I'm putting here in my office. Um, mm -hmm. But my green reading ability was just, that was a super rusty spot for me. Like I just was out of my rhythm of the things I normally do to read the green, which is why I'm excited that we're going to do some work on that green reading uh, this season. Can't We've got wait some, for that. Some coaches we're going to be working with and we're going to be doing that on the video. So stay tuned for that. But I, I felt like I was putting a good stroke on it, but I was just, I even said, I think on the first hole, I said, I, I put right where I wanted it. It just, it didn't break the way I thought I was just, I, I didn't have it, didn't have it down. Yeah, no, I, I noticed that. I mean, I noticed you were putting better, but you were missing some of your spots. And I think once you kind of combined what you've been working on over these past couple months at home and good for you for doing that, I have not picked up a putter at all. Um, but once you combine that with green reading, you know, knowledge or going through something, whether it's Sprecher or whoever else we work with on that, I think you're going to be pretty deadly out there. And, and the putting for me was the worst part of my day. Um, especially that par three, that short run, that little chip shot yeah. that I was like two feet for par. And I ended up blowing it by the hole and double bogey. I mean, I, that's a double bogey. I would love to get back, <laughs> but, uh, I just, I remember there were many times standing over the ball with my putter in hand and saying to myself, I have no idea where this is going to go, or I have no idea how fast this is going to be. And I was saying that in my head, and that was like, there's no confidence in that putting stroke. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. So this is a guy who was a putting green in his backyard. And I just, <laughs> you know, I should just go out there and work on that, but uh, I just couldn't. Well, and couldn't then you and I both know that as soon as that confidence goes away, things just get worse and worse. But I think that was it. We went out there, we said, all right, you know, first of all, you got to redefine expectations. Like if you just think you're going to go back out there after whatever it may be, three, four, five months of not playing golf and, and things are going to be exactly the same, you're setting yourself up for a disappointment. So I think the mindset that we both approached this with is we said, let's go out there, do the best we can, have fun doing it. Just first of all, just mm -hmm. enjoy it, the fact that we're back out there. But secondly, I want to make two lists kind of in my mind. The first list is, all right, what were the things I struggled with that I need to focus on early in the season working on? And what were the things that were working well that I can build on? So right. si similarly, I had a lot, a lot of trouble putting and around the green, right? 
But another thing that I struggle with, and I talk about it in the video, was my flexibility. I'm not nearly as as flexible or as as mobile as I'd like to be. You know, some of that I can blame on the injury, but the other part of it is blamed on just being cooped up in this house. I, I've been mm-hmm. spending a lot more time yeah. sitting at desks and sitting on yeah. couches, tighten you up, than than I've been any other time. Usually, my life, I'm moving, I'm in and out of the car, I'm running errands. Those things are not happening. So. I'm stiff. You know, I was a little bit stiff and I felt it in my swing. And where I really felt it was in my lower body ability to turn. So I noticed a similar shot pattern immediately happening as we went through the round. And that was this fade or more dramatic into a slice, but everything was moving right. And a large part of it, I could feel it. It didn't require going back and looking at a video to see it. I could see that my hips were just not getting out there in front of the hands. They weren't doing that. So I said in the video, I said, listen, this is not something I'm fixing today. There's no amount of stopping and just stretching here on the tee box. That's going to open that hip up enough that I'm going to be able to do my normal swing. So recalibrate. It's not a long-term solution. I'm not going to forever aim more far, you know, further left, but I've learned this as I become a more, you know, adept golfer. You just learn to the saying, like, there's a big part of just like knowing what you're working with that day and working with it. And I just started Mm -hmm. to aim a little bit further left and allow that shot shape to take effect. So I'm not doing anything dramatic, not aiming at the woods, you know, whatever, maybe, but I'm just doing aiming a little bit further left, but also just knowing, okay, mental checklist, got to do some more at home stretching, yoga, whatever it is, hip openers, get that hip, those hips working again. So that was a big part of it. Um, Also swing speed. I noticed when I hit a ball bad, it was because I was going back into my old rhythm and swinging that same full swing speed that I that I was doing at the end of last season. Just couldn't do it. The body wasn't ready for it this time around. And also what I noticed was just slowing down from 100% to somewhere around 70, 80% allowed things in my body a little bit more time to do what they needed to do. So for example, mm-hmm. by slowing down a little bit, it gave my hips just that millisecond more time to turn and allow so my, my hands could follow. When I tried to go full speed, my hips were like, yo, buddy, you know, yeah, your upper body may out. be able to pull off <laughs> full speed right now, but your lower body is not ready. So that's when I got that disconnect. So I would slow it down and I would notice I'd hit a little bit better. Sure, I may lose five, 10 yards by slowing it from 100 to 80%, but so what? I'd rather be mm. 80, you know, Five yards, 10 yards shorter, but online than sure, another definitely. fairway. So there was that, but there was things to build on too. But I wanted to see what, what was your, what went to your columns, Mike, your, what worked and what didn't list. I'll, I will give you those too, but just to finish off your thought on that, I did notice you, all your misses, like your approach shot on two, you missed, the, you, you had the right distance. You missed the green on the right. You ended up in that bunker. Yep. Your, your, your tee shot on three, the par three, you pushed it right from the green. So it was consistent. Your miss, hundred percent, and you, you're right. I did not. You were not following those hipsters. So something like you know, very light slam ball, soft work, or something where you can maybe do a smash bag where you're hitting the club into a bag. Yeah, uh, they know that. I think they make those. Uh, I think that would work wonders for you. But um, with me, I think what, like I said, what was working well was I, I did, I followed your lead and I slowed down off the tee. Um, see, I slowed down my tempo and I just focused on making good contact with the ball. And I ended up really hitting some good spots. I mean, I've had a lot of pins that I was seeking for my approach shots. I was keeping my head down. I remember it was the ninth hole. I hit the ball. I had a bomb. I think it was 297. It measured on shot scope, but it was a dog leg right. And I didn't even take that into account. And I went straight onto the, uh, 
the 18th fairway when I should yeah, have been on nine. nine. I remember that. Yes. Right. And I had 148 yards uh, in the rough up a hill to a back pin and I hit a nine iron and I put it to within like, I don't know, 20 feet or 10 feet or whatever. It was like feet. 10 because it sailed yeah. right over my head. Yeah. And, you know, and I remember going through that shot. I kept my head down. I took a nice soft swing. I kept my head down through impact. And I did that a couple of times and I had a couple of shots like that. Um, so that's what was working for me was that approach game was really well. But then again, I got on the green. And like I said before, the feel of the putter just wasn't in my hands. I, I didn't have it. So that's where I left a couple of strokes out. Yeah. And look, I think if anything, though, it does prove that slowing your tempo a bit is not a detriment when it comes to distance, you know, because you felt that you were, you were slower, you know, mm -hmm. I think it was more of an even tempo than anything, but it, to you, it felt slower, it was less to rushed, me. but look at those distances. I mean, yeah, sure. On nine, you bombed one. We also have it in the video. I think it was on four, you hit a drive. Uh, and, and the guys who were walking up the next ferry were kind of joking, were, you know, you. yeah, because they wanted to be in that, that was spot. All right. Yeah, that was all right. Because <laughs> I think you hit that one like 287 or something like that, slightly off Yeah, hill. that was a good one. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if it, anything, it proves to you that you don't need to have any type of rush swing to get the type of distance that you want. But, but yeah, that approach on nine was something else because we both were learning the course. We didn't really have all of our distances down. You pulled out driver on nine and you drive it over the whole fairway, the dog leg fairway and, and into the next fairway, just straight, but just went over everything. Just dead straight. Yep. I, when I saw that, you know, I immediately put my driver away, which I had in hand, pulled out the hybrid and I hit it into the fairway. So I, I played that hole well, which I'm happy to play the last hole of the day well. I hit that. Then I hit my nine iron up on the green, but the green was a long green it was, and the pin was all the way in the back. So here I'm happy. I got my green in regulation and I've got about a 20 to 25 foot birdie putt that I'm walking up to. You're all the way over the hill. So I walk up a bit to tell you it's clear, signal you to hit it up. And uh, you hit it and you, go, you know, hit it you know, up over my head. And I'm just looking at this thing. I'm like, look at this thing. 10 feet from the <laughs> hall. And I'm like, sure. You had to upstage me big time. I had there. to upstage you from that far out. But hey, it was pretty cool to both end on two birdie putts, which were both pars, two completely different pars, but yeah, good way to end. But it right? was a good way to end. But the, the going back to like kind of those columns of what's working and what's not, same thing for me. I could talk about the putting. One thing though that showed promise, and and I went back and I'm and I'm always glad too that we video our, our rounds because it gives me something to look back and kind of think about after the after the round. Um I've been putting in some work a little bit, as much as you can. Remember, again, we're not on a range hitting balls, but just doing this a little bit in HQ. You guys may have seen it in some of the videos, but uh, we got one of the uh, the Plane Mate by Tor Striker. Uh, training aid made a lot of noise at the um, at the PGA show. Um, we got a little bit of a demonstration uh, by uh, by Martin Chuck, who's who's the creator of it. Uh, and he showed us a little bit of how to use it. And, and I had been struggling with, you know, staying on plane and things like that. So I, I was using this to get the feel anyway, long story short, uh, eighth hole par five. I hit a, an okay drive. I'm not getting a lot of distance cause I'm slowing it qu down quite a bit, hit an okay mm. drive, hit a nice, uh, hybrid. And it leaves me about 117 out. So I pull out the uh, the wedge, and here again, too, kind of changing expectations. The pin is tucked right side, uh, right right beyond a um, a bunker, a greenside bunker. So if you're going pin seeking, you gotta be you gotta be perfect. You come up short, you're in a bunker. You come, you you're, you're right at all. You're gonna be you're gonna be looking at a short sided chip. I said 
No, that's not where the game is at. Today's not a firing at pins day. I'm going to go right for the middle of the green and just leave myself a long birdie putt and hopefully walk out of here with a par. Changing expectations, the whole thing. But I hit this wedge. I hit a 48-degree wedge, and and I tried to keep in mind that motion that, you know, of being on plane with this plane mate. And uh, I tell you what, I'm looking back at it. First of all, to see me make any type of divot, you know, I've been working, nice. <laughs> I've been working on a little bit coming in a little bit, you know, a steeper, you know, we talked about this angle of attack and in, in, in recent episodes and stuff like that. But I, I made contact ball first then picked up a little bit of a divot there. So that felt good to have that nice strike because I'm getting, you know, we talked about why do that and generating a little more backspin. So I got a little bit of backspin, brought the ball back a little bit, but it just felt smooth, felt comfortable. Um, but I'm, I'm able to get that spin on the wedge shots. Whereas before I talked about this, I've been relying a lot on my height to get the, um, to get the ball to stop on the green. So that showed promise to me. Um, and that's good. I, yeah. And I, I yeah, like it. Man. I like when you see a, a training aid working the way it, it should. And mm-hmm. probably that's definitely. why it's been so popular, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And I love this little exercise we're doing. And it's something I might mentally do every time we go out there, make those two columns in my head and walk off the course saying what worked, what didn't right. work. And then maybe the time leading up to the next round, you put some focus on the what didn't work and maybe keep the stuff that did work polished. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, you're absolutely right about the divot. It's great to see you take divot. And, and on the flip side of that, what wasn't I taking out there? Big divots. Big I don't know. Maybe I got a little more shallow. Yeah, you know, because I've been trying to work on that. So um, I don't know. We had some we had some promising signs out there, and no driver divots the whole round. No, no. Huh? I'm trying to stay away from driver divots for the rest of the year. That's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> I keep getting ripped on those. I like that. I like that goal. But yeah, like the, look at those two columns. Like kind of just kind of recapping it. I realized that things that worked well and that I can build on was this focus on a little bit slower, smoother swing, focusing on ball contact, uh, and and just knowing. You know, we talked about this before. We talked about ways you can score better without changing your swing by just playing a little smarter. Just playing a little smarter. A big way for that for me is just knowing what I'm working with that day, being aware of that, and then taking that and saying, let me do use a strategy, a target strategy that fix, fits what's working for me today. That's a big thing. That wedge shot made me feel really good. The putter stroke felt good, The put, but the the reading of the greens, that's what goes in the other column. Really need to work on that. Need to work on continued flexibility. And I think a big part of that will come from just starting to swing Definitely. regularly again. You know, it, it's... It doesn't matter what you do. It's like a, it's like a riding a bike. You're not going to forget how to ride a bike, but you're not going to jump on it and be smooth right away if you haven't ridden a bike in five months. You know, it, you just got to understand the body takes time to to get back into the swing of things, so to speak. And I wanted to also just give you a little more props because we mentioned this. You and I were guests on uh, Joe Gambino's podcast, Fitness for the Fairways, right. um, and. After hearing you just talk so highly about yoga, like I said, I started to get into it. And I was very, you know, I was focused on this whole Spreck effect of rotating more. And during the backswing, kind of turning the torso even more back, back as far as I can go and trying to get more flexibility. Because another thing that I was not doing was slicing the ball Saturday. Mm-hmm. I had like no slice. I, mean, I might have pushed a couple a little bit right, but there was none of that banana hooking. Right. I didn't have one of them. So, uh, I owe that to like increased flexibility. So, um, I like the yoga thing, man. I've been a proponent of it for a long time. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot that you do in yoga that can really help with that upper and lower body separation. I mean, there's just so much there 
for golfers that it's just, mm-hmm. it just works really well. And same thing here, just trying to work that in. Um, but just fighting that stiffness of being not moving as much as I would like to normally move. But again, right. showed promise, um, just felt good to be back out there and, and, and playing again. And there's a component of that as well. We've always talked about, sure. It's great to always be striving towards better and working on better. But if you lose sight of enjoying the game where you're at, you're, you're definitely setting yourself into a spot that that's just not going to have as much enjoyment. And we're out there, we're Mm. out there to enjoy it. So we said, it didn't matter how we played. We have a smile on our face. I literally, I I hit a great first tee shot. You know, I hit a a nice, I think 190 yard five iron to the middle of the Mm. fairway. And what do I do? The very next shot, I spray one into the woods, red stakes, and have to take a penalty. And and it just, that spoke volumes. Like first, I had a laugh. I laughed about it because I'm like, got to have fun. I'm out here. I'm in the sunshine. I'm not at home in quarantine. So that's first of all. But second of all, it's told me so much about my game because I was so conscious on that first tee shot and so worried about how I was going to play after it being so long that I really just focused on slowing it down, that that strategy that I said, 80%, just swinging nice and smooth, and I hit it. I think the confidence I had from making contact once was I was like, everything went out the window. I just went back in my old swing and just tried to swing it, swung too fast. You know, I pulled out the same club I would normally have pulled out in that situation. Right. I think it was like a 165-yard shot, and I grabbed a seven iron. You know, in hindsight, I probably should have hit like a six iron and just – did 80% swing speed, but I'm like, ah, right. yeah, I can, I can, I can do 165 with my seven iron. And I just swung full speed. The the hips, you know, couldn't get out in front of the upper body and it just boom, sprays it right into the woods. And I'm like, okay, you got to stick with what, you know, the, your plan here, Frank, don't let your plan go away at <laughs> right. the first Absolutely. swing. And, and, uh-huh. and that's just like a constantly being aware and, and conscious of it, but yep, no matter what felt good. So it felt good. Do that, guys. Get out there and play. Make those two columns. Say, don't always be focused on what didn't work because that's a, that's a recipe for frustration. Think about what worked. What's the what are my confidence builders? What did I do well? Because no matter what, you can find something you did well, even if it was just a decision you made on one hole. That was a smart decision. You could tell yourself, you know, something. But say, what is it that I did well? And then what did I do? What what areas need improvement? What areas did I struggle? What held me back from scoring the score I wanted to score today? And right. that, by doing that, it'll give you a much more focused path for, for practice and improvement because you're not just going to go to the range, beat balls, and not even think about it. You're going to say, okay, I really struggled with my approach shots from you know this 160 range or whatever it was. And you say, I can focus on, on working on that. And then you'll be able to tick that box. And then maybe the next round, that becomes something that was one of the goods, the good things that happened. So anyway, we really do want to hear about it. So post it in the comments, message us, post it in the Facebook group. Let us know how your first rounds back are. Hopefully, a lot of you are getting back to playing. I know our friends in the UK are still waiting uh, for those courses to open. Um, but Hopefully the light's at the end of the tunnel and you'll get back out there and and you and I, you know, it's going to be a slow going, but we're going to slowly start getting out there more and more as more golf courses open and more opportunities present themselves, but hoping to be back out there soon. And and the course vlogs will start coming back for you guys. So stay tuned for that. 
Um, all right, that's everything we have for you guys. You can get to the show notes by going to golfficity.com slash episode 322, or as always, in the Golficity app. You can get every single episode there. Check it out. Check out the Facebook group. We'll talk to you there, and then we'll see you guys again next week. <laughs>